Thank you for joining the AOE podcast. Today, account managers Lindsay Chelf and Amy Numbers will discuss the fundamentals of communicating effectively with data to help with your next presentation. Topics include missteps in design, common mistakes to avoid, and how to effectively communicate data. With that, let's jump right in and get started. And thanks for, to everyone for being with us today. As a little background, the book Storytelling with Data came across our desks a few months ago, and Lindsay and I found it a very interesting and useful perspective on how to, to look at and present data, as we are always trying to develop interesting graphics to present data for our clients. The information for this presentation is based on best practices highlighted by the book's author, as well as our own experience working for our clients. If at the end of the presentation, you're as interested in presenting data as Lindsay and I are, we encourage you to take a look at this book and we'll provide a link to it at the end of the presentation. So let's talk about the goals for our presentation. Our first goal is to discuss the importance of background information and knowing who your audience is before developing your presentation. Having that information can drastically change the direction your presentation will take. Secondly, we will discuss the importance of choosing the right visuals for your presentation. Third, we will discuss the importance of focusing your audience's attention on your data. And finally, we want to show you how to think like a designer, even though none of us uh, really are, when developing visuals for your presentation. So as Tony mentioned, we're going to start with a poll question. Um, Tony, can you launch the poll, please? The question is, you're asked to give a presentation on a particular topic. What is the first thing you do? Give everyone a few seconds to read the questions, ponder them. All right, Tony, looks like everybody's probably answered. You can go ahead and close the poll if you'd like. Thanks to all who responded. And yes, while it may be easiest to just dive in and start developing your slides or just winging it, having a clear understanding of background information or context will help you develop your a successful communication tool to tell the story you want to tell. So let's talk about the importance of context first. While actually pausing before you start developing your slides may feel like this is slowing you down, it actually helps you have a solid understanding of what you want to do before you start creating content, which will actually save you time down the road. Those key factors to know prior to developing your presentation include who is your audience, what are the goals of your presentation, and what data do you have available? Let's first talk about audience. If you don't know who you are talking to, how can you effectively communicate your message? By understanding who you, are, who you are presenting to, you can tailor your message to better resonate with them. For example, 
you can probably you will probably create a different type of presentation for a group of engineers who are data driven than you would for a group of marketing folks who are more people or concept driven. Now that you understand who your audience is, you need to pinpoint what it is you want your audience to know or understand at the end of your presentation. By simply presenting the data without this understanding, you run the risk of your audience just walking away saying, oh, well, that was interesting, and no action will happen. If you can't figure out what it is you want your audience to know or do, then perhaps you shouldn't be presenting the information at this time. The final piece of your pre-presentation homework is understanding what data is available to help you tell your story. Data is the supporting evidence of the story you will build and tell. You may be working with financial data, survey responses, test results, or numerous other types of data, but it is important to know what data is available before you begin your presentation to help you support your message. And here's an example. Let's say you are presenting to a group of decision makers to obtain continued funding for an after-school math program. You want this group to understand how important this program is to the students who attend and how this program is moving the needle with appreciation for math. Your goal is to obtain funding to continue the program. You did your homework and know that your audience are school board members. You want them to understand how important this program is in improving the student's appreciation for math, and the data you will use um, are the data you will use is before and after survey results, showing how the student's love for math has improved during the program. So our data clearly shows that our math program has improved students' perception of math and this chart gets that point across. This is a simple chart, nothing flashy, but your audience can clearly see the number of students who hated math before the program has decreased by the, and the number of students who reported that they love math has increased. You made your point. The board members will surely have to approve uh, your program now. So in summary, before you begin your presentation, you need to know who you're talking to, what are your goals, that is, what do you want the folks to do with this information when they leave the presentation, and what information you have available to support your story. You've done your homework and now you're ready to start building your presentation. With our data, we can create visuals to bring our message home. Our next discussion will be about how to choose which, which visuals will effectively support our data. It's probably no surprise to hear that choosing the right graph or visual is the first step in communicating your data effectively. However, what can the wrong graph do? Here are some examples of just plain bad and confusing graphs. Um, I don't know about you, but looking at these just give me a headache, and there's no way that a member of your audience can quickly understand what any of these graphs mean. What information are we showing here? Who knows? 
there's just too much to digest, too much going on. And believe it or not, data visualization experts, including the author of Storytelling with Data, consider pie charts to be evil, which kind of was a surprise to Lindsay and I, but we understand why. Obviously, this sample is a bit extreme, but it does give an example of why using too many and similar size slices of a pie to demonstrate data can leave your audience scratching their heads and saying, huh, after looking at that one. These types of graphs are hard to read, and unless each slice is vastly different in size, our brains really can't interpret the size of each slice compared to the other slices, and we really can't understand what data is being shown here. If, however, you absolutely must use a pie chart, you should follow these best practices. First of all, use fewer slices for your chart. Limit, your, limit yourself to five slices or fewer. And second, your data points, um, that is the size of each pie slice, should be significantly different enough so that your pie slices are visually different in size so your audience can digest and understand the data easily. In keeping with our best practices, if you must use a pie chart, look at the pie chart with the green check mark as our best, as our best practice example. The largest slice should start at the top of the chart and you should work your way around the circle in a clockwise fashion with increasingly smaller slices. Your audience will be able to better see the difference in the pie slices and understand the data better. Finally, stay away from 3D pie charts. The angle makes the sections in the foreground look larger than those in the background, which can be deceptive and may be confusing to your audience and work against the story you're trying to tell. So now that we're all afraid to use a pie chart, what are our options? Let's talk about horizontal and vertical bar charts. Sometimes bar charts aren't used because they appear boring and uninventive. But these are exactly the reasons why they should be used. Because number one, they're easy to read. And number two, your audience will spend less time trying to figure out what the data is and focus more on what the data means. In these two examples, you can easily see the point we're trying to make. In the chart on the left, it's easy to determine that New Orleans and Miami, Florida have the most precipitation per year than the other cities mentioned. It's not hard to figure this out by, looking, by simply looking at the chart. In the chart on the right, it's also easy to figure out that most people in our office poll like chocolate ice cream with vanilla and strawberry coming in second and third. Again, these bar charts aren't particularly flashy, but they do the job, which is to deliver the information in an easily understandable fashion. Another type of visual that is extremely effective is a heat map. This approach mixes detail in a table, but also uses visual cues to help direct the audience's eye to the information you want them to focus on. In this example, about when are the best times to post to Facebook, 
the darker color blue indicates the times of highest engagement. So just by looking for that darker color blue, you can easily see that the times of highest Facebook engagement are between 9 a.m. and 2 p.m. on Wednesday and Thursday, followed by 9 to 11 a.m. on Fridays. Again, this is just another type of visual that can, you, that can be used to help your audience understand information easily. It's important to remember that just because you have numbers to share, you don't always need a graph or chart to get your point across. One very simple but often overlooked method of presenting data is the use of simple text. As you can see in this example, our goal is to share the percentage of graduates working in the concrete industry. No fancy charts are needed, just simply the number 80%. That is about as clear and easy to understand as you can get. Here are two other examples of graphics that we've pulled together for two of our clients using simple text. Again, nothing flashy, but we are just presenting this information in a simple, easily digestible way. You can easily see very quickly the information that we're trying to um, convey. Finally, to bring this point home, look at the image of these multicolored balloons. Where do your eyes go? Pretty much everywhere and nowhere all at the same time, right? Now pretend this picture of the balloons is a graph. With so many different things competing for your attention, it makes it difficult to focus on just one thing. Now, check out the difference in how your attention is focused here. It's really hard to not focus on the red balloon, right? This is an example of data that is focused so that the audience doesn't have to work too hard to understand what your point is. All right, thanks, Amy. Um, hi, everyone, I'm Lindsay. I hope you're all doing well. Um, so now that you know how to, how to determine the audience and goals of your presentation and how to choose the most effective charts and graphs to convey your message, we're going to dive into how to focus your audience's attention using visual design basics, starting with pre-attentive attributes. Uh, pre-attentive attributes is just the fancy term for visual cues or properties that our brains notice and process in the fraction of a second before we're even aware of it. Um, think of that balloon picture a couple slides back. In that second image where all the other balloons were in black and white but one, that red balloon caught your attention immediately using one type of pre-attentive attribute color. In addition to color, form and spatial positioning are incredibly powerful tools that you can use to narrow your audience's focus to exactly what you want them to look at. Our brains are the poster children for work smarter, not harder. Um, they rely on visual cues like color, form, and position to let them know what to pay attention to. Otherwise, we'd get really overwhelmed by everything we see, hear, smell, and feel while we're awake. Um, the brain does a really good job of sorting through the stimuli we're constantly exposed to, separating what's important from what's unnecessary, but we don't necessarily want our audience's brain to work too hard to interpret the data that we put in front of them. When we're using graphs and charts to tell, to tell a story, we don't want our audience struggling to find the point or even losing interest before we're finished telling it. That's why we rely on pretentive attributes to give their brains a break, because without any visual cues, your brain has to process everything in front of it before it can glean what's important. So if I were to ask you to count the number of threes in this block, it might take you a while, and it's 
kind of a frustrating task too. Um, you might lose track of how many you've counted. You may have to go back a couple times to double check, or you might just get irritated enough that you call it quits. However, if I use the pre-attentive attributes of color and form, in this instance, orange and bold, to highlight the numbers I want you to see, you can count them up in a fraction of the time it took with the first block. Uh, it's much easier, right? With the second block of numbers, I was able to convey the important information quickly, effectively, and hopefully without frustrating your brains as much as I did with the first block. Um, Pre-attentive attributes can also be very powerful when creating graphs. Uh, just as with this block of three on the left, box, block of numbers on the left, uh, data presented without any visual cues takes us longer to understand because our brain has to digest everything that it takes in in order to determine what's important and what to discard. So for example, say your company gave out customer surveys in order to get feedback on things you do well and things you could improve on. This bar chart does an okay job of presenting that information. Uh, your eyes might have first been drawn to the longest bars, which is an example of the pre-attentive attribute of form capturing your attention. However, beyond that, this design isn't really giving your brain any help when it comes to pointing out what's important. Now let's redesign that chart a bit by putting the categories in numerical order and using color to highlight the data we want our audience to look at. Now we've got them focused on the two best performers, quality of service and safety on the worksite. Did you notice how before the categories um, were pushed, with, pushed to the background here? Um, keep in mind that drawing attention to one part of your data can take away attention from another. If we want to share the opposite story, however, and focus on the less positive feedback from the survey, we could use a chart like this. Suddenly our audience's attention shifts to the bottom of the chart where the worst performers, uh, flexibility and value are highlighted instead. Using color strategically, such as blues or greens for positives and oranges or reds for negatives, can really help us frame the story we're trying to tell with our data. All right, time for a quick poll. Tony, could you go ahead and launch the poll, please? Um, so how do you decide what colors to use when creating charts or graphs for a presentation? A lot of us may just go with whatever the default color is. That's probably the easiest option. Um, some of us may be required to use brand colors. Maybe we pick our favorite colors. I'm guilty of that a lot of the time. Or maybe we really haven't given it much thought. I'll give folks a moment to answer. All right, thanks to, uh, to everyone who participated in the poll. Looks like a large number of you um, have to go with brand colors, which is good, that's pretty normal. Um, and you may be wondering why I asked which colors you pick for your data visualization. It might not seem like a hugely important decision to make when developing a presentation, but color is one of the most powerful pre-attentive attributes and is particularly easy to misuse. Using color purely for decorative purposes might be visually appealing in some cases, but it can cloud the meaning of your data. And the ultimate goal of data visualization is to communicate your information clearly, accurately, and efficiently but using too many colors, like in this chart here, makes it very hard for your audience to focus. Uh, to make things even more confusing, most people looking at this chart will notice the colors with higher saturation first, that's the red and the purple, but that may not be what we want them to pay attention to, however. Using a single color of varying saturation makes it, makes it much easier for our brains to pick out the important data. We cleaned up that chart and it's much easier to see the data we want our audience to pay attention to now. Uh, now, when creating visuals, it's important to remember that you may have audience members who are colorblind. Um, using red and green together in the same chart or graph might be difficult for them to interpret. Orange and blue are some colorblind-friendly alternatives 
So if you absolutely must use red and green in your visualization, be sure to include another, another method of distinguishing visual, such as um, text, icons, arrows, or other indicators to make it more accessible to a wider audience. Um, going back to uh, brand colors, a lot of you might be tied to using that for presentations or reports. Uh, if that's the case, it's best to pick one or two of the colors and use them as visual cues to draw audience attention, but then keeping the rest of the colors muted, um, as you saw in that customer feedback chart a couple slides back. It's also important to note that color conveys emotion and tone, both positive and negative. Um, for example, those customer feedback charts that we looked at, you likely made the subconscious connection that the red was meant to indicate poor performance in those two bottom categories, simply based on how our society tends to associate red as a negative ranking, and likewise green as a positive ranking. I won't dive too deeply into color psychology today, that's a whole other webinar, but it's worth understanding how certain colors will make your audience feel when they see your data. And so you don't need to spend hours selecting colors based on their positive and negative psychological effects on your audience, but you do want to be mindful of how your use of color goes with the data you're presenting. So for example, at first glance, this chart looks pretty dull, but it's actually a fun topic, summer vacation. You could definitely get away with some bold colors in this one. Now on the other hand, this chart looks bright and cheerful, but once you see what the data is actually saying, it's a pretty sad story they're telling. So avoid that cognitive dissonance in your data visualization by selecting appropriate colors to go with the story that you're trying to tell. Uh, the next uh, pretentive attribute we're going to discuss is form. Um, that helps us our, our brains process information. Um, one type of form is size. Generally, the larger the element in your chart or graph, the more important your audience will assume it is. Likewise, the smaller it is, the less they'll pay attention to it. If things are equally important, they should be of equal size. Um, you see I have here, watch out for deceptive charts. You can find these all over the place um, in the media, especially when it comes to politics. But when you look at this chart, it would seem that the best candidate is way ahead of their opponents in the polls. And if a just a quick glance is all people are going to take, that's the story they're going to take away from this chart. However, taking a closer look at the numbers on the y-axis, you see the race is actually much closer than the visual indicates. So just something to keep an eye out for and not do yourself. Uh, you can use form and charts. I'm sorry. Other types of form include orientation, length, width, and shape. And note how your eye is drawn immediately to the odd one out in each category. And you can see this uh, in charts such as orientation or angle in pie charts, length in bar charts, and width and flow maps to indicate numerical value. The last pretentive attribute we'll cover today is spatial position. Position is an excellent way to draw the eye from one piece of data to the next, and it does a great job of depicting numerical data. Even without any other information provided, you can likely tell that the figure on the left shows something's increasing, the figure in the middle shows a decrease, and then the figure on the right shows an outlier that immediately catches our attention. So as you saw in that last slide, our brains are really good at interpreting what positions represent without any other additional context provided. When there aren't other visual cues to direct our attention, your audience is most likely to read the visual in a zigzag from upper left to upper right to bottom left and then bottom right, similar to how we read text on a page or a website. So because the eye is naturally drawn to the upper left, you want to put your most important information there. You don't want your audience to wade through a bunch of other stuff to get to your main point. They may decide to move on um, or just, they'll just never get to the point you're trying to make. 
So to recap this segment, um, <clears throat> data visualization should communicate your information or tell your story cle clearly, accurately, and efficiently. So strategic and sparing use of pre-attentive pre attributes such as color, form, and position will help you achieve this. All right, so now that you know what tools to use and how to use them, there are a few other things to consider when creating your charts and graphs. Affordances, accessibility, and aesthetics. Affordances are the features inherent in a design that make it obvious how to use it. Think of a coffee mug with a handle. Um, its design suggests that you should hold the mug by its handle to avoid burning your hand. And it's intuitive enough that if you're looking at a mug for the very first time in your life, you probably know to hold it by its handle without an expert telling you how to hold it. And affordances can be found in data visualization as well. These are called perceived affordances, and they utilize pre-attentive attributes to highlight what's important, eliminate distractions, and create a clear hierarchy of information, guiding your audience through the data in the way you want them to read it. Just like with that mug handle, affordances ensure that anyone looking at your data can get the full story without needing an expert to tell them how to read it. For example, without any visual cues, your eyes might be drawn to the tallest bar in this chart. However, if I wanted you to focus on a different segment of the chart, adding a bit of color to highlight it does the trick. So just as I did with that example on the last slide, you can use a variety of visual cues to highlight the important data you want your audience to focus on. That could include altering textile, color, size, case or typeface, or even going further and inversing or combining some of those elements. However, you do not want to go overboard, um, because if you make everything look important, then nothing will be. Not all the data you'll be presenting is crucial to your story and may even serve as a distraction to the information you're trying to highlight. So when you're storytelling with data, you want a visual that doesn't demand a lot of your audience's cognitive processing. This chart here of um, 2018's top five most visited national parks has quite a lot going on. It's probably hard to find just one thing to focus on. You might see right away that Great Smoky Mountains had the most visitors last year, but you're also spending brain power on reading and comparing the numbers, seeing how the bars line up on the grid, and so on. So while you might grasp the story that I'm trying to tell you with this data, it was not an efficient way for me to tell you. There is a lot on this chart we can get rid of while still telling the same story, but in a more effective way. Um, these overly precise numbers, the redundant information here, um, and these lines that just clutter up things, it just adds to the list of things that your brain has to process when looking at this visual. All of it can go, and with a few small changes, you can get right to the point with no distractions. So just ask yourself, would eliminating this change anything? And try to pare it down as much as you can to get to just the data. Creating a clear hierarchy of information means drawing attention to the most important part of your visual, then the second most important, and so on. You can use pre-attentive attributes such as color and form to uh, visually pull items to the forefront while pushing other less important data into the background. So here is an example from the Storytelling with Data book. Um, using the pre-attentive attributes of form and position, we've got the title in the upper left corner with the words issues and satisfaction bolded. That signals um, to us that those words are important, so we approach the rest of the graph with that context in mind. And as you wait, make your way through the visual, um, note the things that stick out to you here. The red probably caught your attention pretty quickly, and it's used here to indicate that despite the relatively good rankings on satisfaction, there is a problem with how many issues these particular models have. And that's the story that the creator of this chart is trying to tell with their data. 
note that the other less important data points, uh, models A, G, and E, have kind of faded into the background. They're there for context, but the color gray lets our brains know that they aren't the focus here, which reduces the cognitive burden on our brains and makes the chart easier to understand. Often when we create graphs and charts, we think of ourselves as the ideal audience for it. Um, as Amy was mentioning, people, in engineers creating for engineers, marketers creating for marketers, and so on, uh, we tend to design with our capabilities and understanding in mind. However, your audience might have a different, uh, different constraints than you do, whether that's a disability, a different level of technical expertise, or a language barrier, for example. So if you want your data to be the, uh, as accessible to the widest possible audience in the clearest possible way, keep your language, layout, and visuals simple. Text can also be um, extremely helpful in communicating your data to a wider audience. You can use it to label, explain, and highlight important data. This chart here comes from the Storytelling with Data book as well. And the added labels and annotations make the data much quicker to read and easier to understand. So rather than having to follow the lines, peaks, and valleys and trying to extrapolate exactly what they mean, the creator of the chart uh, has done the hard work for you. Next in accessibility, um, legibility is crucial in conveying accurate data. So use a consistent and easy-to-read font for your text. Studies have shown that if a hard-to-read font is used, your audience will actually perceive your charts as more difficult to understand. And you may also have low vision or colorblind individuals in your audience, so ensure that there's adequate color contrast and avoid certain color combinations. Um, here are some examples of what I mean by contrast. You see in the middle, the insufficient contrast is difficult to read, while too much contrast on the right is visually jarring and pretty unpleasant to look at. Uh, there are websites online that can help you determine if your text and background color have a sufficient enough contrast in order to be read by audience members. Um, we have a handout for people at the end of this that uh, has that resource on there. All right, now for the aesthetics. Um, you might be wondering if data really needs to be pretty or aesthetically pleasing. Um, if it's the cold hard facts that you're trying to share, does it really matter what it looks like? Uh, it actually does. Just like with simpler fonts, people are more likely to perceive aesthetically pleasing visuals as easier to understand whether they actually are or not. So even though this chart here has all the correct data and labels, it's kind of all over the place visually, and you probably won't want to spend too much time looking at it. Um, instead, using a pleasant color palette while still being mindful of color's power as a pre-attentive attribute, and then creating a sense of order and visual organization by aligning visual elements, and then making use, uh, good use of white space by not overcrowding the chart, you'll end up with a much more professional looking visual in the end. And it's important to note that you don't want to spend too much time on making your visuals pretty. Um, it shouldn't be at the expense of your data because you still need to tell your audience a story accurately and clearly. So to recap, thinking like a designer can help you successfully tell your story with data when you offer affordances in the form of visual cues to highlight what's important, you make your data accessible to the widest possible audience, and you make your visual look clean, organized, and aesthetically pleasing. So now I'm going to hand it back to Amy for some final thoughts. Thanks, Lindsay. Okay, so in summary, your data is more meaningful when you tell a story. The story tells your audience what you've learned by analyzing your data, and shows what you've learned or where there are areas for improvement. And keys to success with um, your next presentation 
If you're in doubt whether the presentation tells the intended story, get feedback. Practice your presentation with other folks in your office and ask what their takeaway is. Make sure their understanding of your message is what you intended it to be. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, you don't need fancy graphs to communicate your data. Simple is better. Make sure you are focusing your audience's attention on your message. Like Lindsay mentioned in her presentation, clutter in visuals is your enemy and can work against you when trying to convey your message. So thanks again for joining us. We hope this information has given you some ideas to consider the next time you need to communicate data. Um, please feel free to reach out to Lindsay or I um, the next time you're making a presentation and hopefully we can provide information to um, help you make it a successful one. Um, and that's it for the presentation. Tony, do we have any questions? Well, I see two questions here. Um, the first one, I know that you can use Excel to make some charts and graphs. Is there any other platform that you can use or can recommend to make these graphs? I'm not a graphic designer, so hopefully I can find something user-friendly. Well, that's a great question. Um, Amy, I can take this one. Uh, okay. how, so how do you make charts and graphs outside of Excel? Um, like I mentioned earlier, Amy and I have a, a handout we're going to send attendees after this webinar, and that includes some other chart creation websites. But off the top of my head, um, PowerPoint is one good option. It's pretty user-friendly, and I believe you can even take your data from Excel and export it to PowerPoint to create charts there. Um, another option that I like to use is a website called Vengage. That's V-E-N-N-G-A-G-E dot com which is primarily an infographic creation site, but it also has options to create charts. Um, but like I said, the handout uh, we'll be sending everyone also includes a list of tools for designing charts and templates that you can download and, and so on. Okay, thank you. I have another question here. How can I know what kind of chart to make for my data? I mean, Amy, I can- You wanna take that? Me too, I can take this one. <laughs> sure. Yeah, please. <laughs> Um, that's another great question, and it's kind of hard to answer it all over the phone. It, it depends entirely on what data you have and what you're hoping to show with it, whether you're comparing data points, showing a relationship, um, distribution, composition, and so on. Um, that handout I mentioned earlier actually has a really helpful graphic that kind of helps you decide what chart is best for your data. Um, so again, it really depends on what you want to show with your data points. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope this session provides value and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. For more information about AOE, please visit our website at www.aoeteam.com.